Hello and welcome to Movie Go Round, the film podcast that rotates between different themes every single week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is Future Classics. Hello, everybody. My name is Brett Stewart. It's time for another week of Future Classics on Movie Go Round. Joining me, the wonderful David Luzader. How are you? Uh, I'm sorry if I'm a little bit distracted. I'm, I'm good. I'm sorry if I'm distracted at all. I'm, I'm also in several simultaneous uh, realities, um, in, in one of which I uh, am part fish person. So enjoying that. Well, that's you know? nice. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty great. Okay. That sounds like it could be really concerning looking, just like the hot dogs. I'm start. I'm th- kind of thinking like the deep, and that makes me uncomfortable. You're welcome. So, from the boys, uh, N- Nicole Davis, how are you? Good. Is it like top half fish or bottom half fish? Because that's really important. It's, uh, uh, it's by uh, by what's what's the word? Bifurcated. Uh, bifurcated. Yep. <laughs> so fish okay, on one so side. it's not like the deep yep. where Patton Oswalt's voice talks to him through his gills. No, no. Okay. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Uh, well, this week is around the world. I'm uh, not around the world. It's future classics. Next week is around the world. We're off to a killer start. Yay. Future classics is a movie that has not come out. That has. Oh my god! This movie's come out in the last. <laughs> it's not out yet. You can't see it. <laughs> and this is what happens when we when we miss a week. It's a super future classic. It's not even a present classic. Right. And the encore episode has to fill the week when my when my ceiling collapses and my house floods. And this is what happens. No, a future classic, as all of you wonderful listeners know, I mean, it's a movie that has come out in the last decade. Uh, this is our most recent future classic to date. This came out in March. Um, it's just recently available to rent uh, and might very well be showing in a movie theater right now still. I know Alamo here in Austin shows it about once a week. So you can definitely probably find it in a at least an art house theater. But before we get into that, around the world next week, it's an international pick. It's David's pick. What are we going to be watching if people would like to follow along? Yeah, so we're going to watch a movie that I um, saw on a whim over the summer. Um, Alamo was playing it, speaking of, and I, I was like, hey, you know what? I got time. Let me go check this out. Uh, and it was uh, fantastic. Um, it is a South Korean film where we're diverting away from Bong Joon-ho a little bit and moving into the work of uh, Park Chan-wook, who did um, uh, Old Boy. But we're going to be doing The Handmaiden. Oh, cool. Oh, I really wanted to see this. I'm sure Nicole already has. I have this on both my around the world potential lists and future classics potential lists. So yeah, it it could fit on both uh, for sure. But it you know it'll be a lot of fun to talk about it next week. I'm excited. This is a South Korean erotic psychological thriller. Yes, it's very twisty. That's a lot to unpack. Based on a British novel. Yes. Awesome! Cannot wait. That sounds great. All right, we'll check that out for next week. This week, for Future Classics, it was my pick, and I decided to pick this year's Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Uh, Middle-aged Evelyn Wong is living her worst life, one in which she's made all the wrong decisions and followed none of her dreams. On the day of her family's tax audit, she is contacted by one of her husband's counterparts from another universe and learns how her lack of positives may make her uniquely qualified to save the multiverse from her own daughter. 
spoiler alert if you haven't seen the movie. None of this is going to make sense if you've not seen this movie. This is a twisty, weird movie. This movie barely makes sense when you've seen the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, definitely see this movie multiple times. This takes mental work. If you like it. Yep. So, uh, quick high level, as we always do. Uh, the reason I chose this for future classics, and the reason I'm so convinced that it could be, even though it's so new, is twofold. One, uh, this became somewhat of a sensation. It was that bizarre A24 art house movie to finally reach over $100 million worldwide, which A24 had yet to do up until this point. Um, We frequently talk about how awesome they are as a studio, and uh, this seems to just embody so much of what I enjoy about the type of work they create, where they have um, minority uh, talent and um, really unique perspectives create really compelling stories without the rigid framework of working for a major studio. I don't think this movie gets made, and certainly not in the way it does, if you're making this for Paramount or 20th Century Fox. It just doesn't. On the flip side of that, I think this is just a spectacularly beautiful film. Not just visually, but tonally. The messaging of this film, I I mentioned in our docket, I think it's the greatest Mother's Day movie ever made. (laughs) There's not a ton of those. It did happen to come out around that time. I I just think there's something really, really special here. And I think people will be very fond of it for a very, very long time. And I think people are very fond of Michelle Yeoh. And she is spectacular in this, as she is in everything. Uh, So I just have that gut feeling. That's really what it is. I think this is going to be meaningful to a lot of people for a long time. My wife wants to get a tattoo inspired by this movie. (laughs) So it'll certainly be in my life the rest of my life. So let's jump into our discussion topics. Uh, Well, first and foremost, we all saw this in theaters, right? Yes. Yes. Which is a pretty cool experience. So again, if it happens to be out still where you live, you should probably check it out. But let's start with that first discussion topic. This really is the greatest Mother's Day movie to me. This movie pulls you right into a story that you do not realize is going to be a an emotional and tender bonding between mother and daughter with the universe collapsing in the middle. And it's so unlike anything I've ever seen in that regard. Yeah, I think my mother has seen this movie. I think my sister took her to see it around Mother's Day, if not on Mother's Day. And I'm just... Yeah. Considering how shocked my mother was at a fish called Wanda, <laughs> I'm, I kind of wish I could have been there for the battle scene with the desk awards. Oh, goodness. Oh, yeah. yeah. See how she handled that. No kidding. Yeah, I don't think I could. Uh, that was what I was going to reference of why I don't think I could show this movie to my mother. <laughs> why I don't think it would. Yeah. Yeah, my wife was offering this up to my mom the other day, being like, you should actually check this movie out. And I'm like, do so. Understanding there are certain things that make you typically uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, but it's so heartfelt. I mean, I read an interview with one of the one of the creators, because it has two directors, and, and I'm blanking on which one of them it was, but he made a comment where in an early draft of this movie, uh, Evelyn is much more homophobic. Her daughter's gay in this movie. She's much more insulated. And they wrote out of that because they said like everything about the characters in this movie is from their own experiences with immigrant parents. And they said like our immigrant parents weren't 
bigoted against our new lives and ideas. They didn't know how to talk about them. Mm. They were intimidated by, intimidated by it, and we never had these conversations. And so they ended up rewriting her character to just be a character that has to wrap her head around something that's really foreign and different and scary to her, which is her daughter being gay, among many other things. That was the right play. If Evelyn's bigoted, this movie isn't as good. And you don't mm -hmm. get that nuance of their relationship. Yeah, I think it does lose a lot. Or the journey of it becomes very different, where this is more about communication uh, versus like acceptance, which there still is an element of that with James Hong's character in the movie. But I, I think, yeah, it's, it was smart of them to make it more about like being an adult is awkward with your parents. And how do you figure mm -hmm. that out? And being like a parent with adult children is also awkward because you still view them as kids, but they are also these full autonomous human beings. And what does a healthy relationship look like? And it's complicated and messy. Right. I can <laughs> I can vouch for this as a parent of two essentially grown, almost grown, you know, 18 and 21. <laughs> so technically adult in many senses. Legal adults. Yeah. Is when do you let go completely? Can you let go completely? Mm. When do you think your job is done as a parent? You know, do you make a switch between being a parent and being a friend? Or do you always have, feel like you have to keep that parental relationship primary above everything else and yeah i mean i i get where she's coming from like you feel free to criticize everything about your kids and you don't always realize that you know you feel free to do that because you think it's obvious that you love them with your whole heart and soul and being yeah and it's just like, I think you're perfect, except for like this one tiny thing. <laughs> and if you fix that one tiny thing, then you would be perfect and you would feel good about yourself and you would love yourself as much as I love you. You know, <laughs> And you have to stop and realize that, no, you shouldn't tell your daughter that she's getting fat. It's not OK. And it's not OK that she still <laughs> does it at the end of the movie. Yeah. No. no. No, it's not. But she's made leaps and bounds progress. Yeah. And and I think there is that, that, to your point, there also is an additional layer on top of that, which is the the immigrant parent with the first generation American kid. Right. Um, and how their experiences are so uniquely different. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I love Kim's Convenience. I wish it had gone down differently and i wish they would have had more representation within the writer's room but something i did love about kim's convenience for so long was that it was one of the first shows i ever watched that had that dynamic of the first generation canadian in that case you know son and daughter that are navigating their parents who just don't quite understand where they're at because their parents have of course come from a different country um there's a great quote from one of the directors uh, I'm sorry, the producer, where he was talking about how writing like the parents in this movie, they had to think about their immigrant parents. And he, his dad, who has now passed away, he said like he loved movies, but he got all the titles wrong. And it was a running joke <laughs> in the family, like, oh, what did dad call that movie? And John's favorite is that his dad really liked the movie Outside Good People Shooting. Uh, what movie is that? What? Outside it's Goodwill Hunting. 
outside good people shooting was goodwill hunting for him. Um, uh, maybe that's a direct translation of, you know, whatever his native language yeah. country called right, it. Right, right. Something, yeah. But I was actually thinking that being the immigrant parent thing and being the child of first generation mm-hmm. immigrants was really well encapsulated in Camille Nanjani's movie, The Big Sick. Oh, yeah. Where, you know, his parents are trying to arrange a marriage for him and he's very resistant to it. And they sometimes chide him for being too westernized and, Mm -hmm. you know, just completely assimilating. And he says, if you didn't want my life to be different, why did you move? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So if you didn't want me to have the opportunity to make these kinds of choices, why did you, why did we leave? Why, why are we in America? So yeah. fair point. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm at, again, you know, it's, it's hard to let go. <laughs> it's hard it to let go of your old ways. You really have to push yourself. Yeah. And one way to push yourself is to be dropped into the multiverse by a, <laughs> um, by a verse jumping version of your husband. So I, I referred to him in our docket. Um, I love Alpha Waymond. Oh, Waymond. Yes, I referred to him in our docket, of course, as Adult Short Round. But he is um not even Adult Data. Come on, Data or Data. He's got it's two iconic roles depending on which one you grew up with first. Is his real his real name's um where do I had it somewhere? Kehui Kwan. Kehui Kwan. Yeah. Okay. So um he quit film after uh the goonies well he quit acting he quit, he quit acting, acting. Yes. i'm sorry he's worked in film his entire life he quit acting because of a lack of you know representation and his ability to get parts as an asian actor and came back for this particular movie and i have to say i i put he's the partner of the year in our docket because there's something <laughs> just so preciously sweet about oh, his character yes and you just want to wrap him up in a big hug and love on him uh-huh. because he's just so pure i kind of think of him as you know with the new um there's a lot of stuff going around on TikTok with men wanting to be masculine men and you gotta have yeah. being mm-hmm. super masculine. And they would probably refer to this universe's Waymond as beta Waymond. Just right. because oh, God. He's, <laughs> he's so not alpha, but he's so incredibly sweet. You do just love him almost immediately. I loved him immediately when I found out that he's the one putting googly eyes on all the laundry bags. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I was very surprised, speaking of, like, Jenny Slate being in this movie. Yes. Having kind of a small role and kind of like a weird, I don't know. It's so bizarre. I was, like, I was just like, oh, Jenny Slate, great. Okay, I'm very curious to see what Jenny Slate, <laughs> and she's like, not in the movie a ton, but she does, you know, she has the funny scene where she's using her dog as a weapon. Yes. Does my baby want to go for a walk? <laughs> Yeah, she does whip a dog around. Um, (laughs) Jenny Slate, who I I love unabashedly in everything she's in. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've ever seen The Obvious Child, which I call, you know, kind of the feel-good abortion movie. Mm -hmm. Because it destigmatizes a lot and it's a really sweet story. But she's just in so much great stuff. And the fact that she can hop between so many interesting characters. I've been watching Parks and Rec again lately. Mm -hmm. And she plays the most 
obnoxious character perhaps ever to grace the screen money please (laughs) yeah for an extended stay and then meanwhile it's the same actress that created marcel the shell which i still i did not see and i just don't know how you get from point a to b there um She's great in this movie, though. I really, I really do appreciate her in it. Yeah, just like I forgot, even like the first time I saw, like between the two times, I was like, "Oh yeah, Jenny Slate's in this." Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just picture someone at eight twenty four saying, "You know who would be cute in you this role? <laughs> Let's call her representation and see if she'll be in it." <laughs> That's probably what happened. Um, but Waymond, Waymond is is so great and is really sort of like I know there's a lot of heart to this film, but he is like heart in a very kind of like specific way mm-hmm. i just think of that scene of because for him you know uh for evelyn the laundromat is always like been where she's been stuck mm-hmm. yeah uh and for him it's where it's always it's been enough because he's had his family right. and i really liked that scene where there is like the real world kind of they use real footage of yeah. uh, michelle yo from like red carpets and stuff mm-hmm. um but that scene where they're talking and they've reunited and he says even in that reality like owning a laundromat would have been enough with you right and just like really emphasizing that like you you are who you are it doesn't matter the universe you know the end of the line though when he says i would have really liked just doing laundry and taxes with you yes that's it. Yeah, it the sweetest line i've heard in a movie in so long it is it's beautiful there's a moment in this movie where she asks him, you know, like, how can you possibly be so positive all the time? And he says, you know, when I choose to see the good side of things, I'm not being naive, which is how he's portrayed for the first half of the movie. It is strategic and necessary. It's how I've learned to survive through everything. And I just, I just love his character. I just love his character so <laughs> As you much. Should. And I think cinema needs more characters like this that are he's just very pure. Yeah. It's something that I kind of wish I could have done in my life. You know, I, I went with snark as <laughs> a survival mechanism. Yeah, you leaned in. And that worked. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, you know, sweetness would have, would have been nice, too. <laughs> yeah, his unabashed, like, humor and joy. And, like, he's not the most responsible person. Like, let's, you know, he's not no. a perfect human being. No. He has allowed so much of their life to get into peril. Right. But, you know it is still if she was more present if the two of them work together like as partners mm-hmm. their their life could have been as they kind of are like at the at the end of the movie like their life could have been different i think for kind of both of them uh for her well for him too because they were in a lot of legal trouble <laughs> yeah, well, yeah for him the job is what he does to pay the bills and so he can spend time with his family and for her the job is everything and family is just one more obligation that she has to deal with. Right. Right. Yeah. There's another great line of his in the movie where he, where he's talking to Evelyn and he's talking to a different Evelyn at this point in the movie. And he says, you think I'm weak, don't you? All those years ago when we first fell in love, your father said I was too sweet for my own good. Maybe he was right. You tell me it's a cruel world and we're all running around circles. And I know that I've been on this earth just as many days as you. I know you're all fighting because you're scared and confused and I'm confused too. All day, I don't know what the heck is going on, but somehow I feel like it's all my fault. There's just this, there is naivete to it, but when he says, you know, I've been on this earth just as many days as you, there's this really shattering point of the movie where she comes to this final realization 
that he does understand the same things she understands. He's coping with it in a very different way. And uh, mm-hmm. it's just, I think the way his character's written is really beautiful. And I think it complements Evelyn incredibly well. Right. And one thing I wanted to talk about in that regard, and I think it's a good segue, is that there's a lot of movies that deal with like what if scenarios. Like, what if you did this instead of this? There's a new Netflix movie out that was filmed in my office at work. So when you watch it, Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, it's my office. The one with Lily Reinhardt? Yeah. So her scenes in her office are at my are at my office. And That's um, so funny. And it's cool to watch it and like see my office. But point being is like the movie's like, what if she became a successful independent businesswoman or had kids? <laughs> and like and it explores the two. And like one of them is like she lives in a cottage in the woods. And then the other one's like she wears a pantsuit. Isn't it that she gets like pregnant and in yes. one reality she yeah. keeps the child and another she like has an exactly. abortion like yeah. it's you know it's not just like parent like you know yeah no but but it does why, boil why, am, I, down. why am i defending this i don't get paid <laughs> <laughs> it does it does boil down largely to like are you going to wear you know overalls and live in the suburbs or are you going to wear pantsuits and work for the big corporation and be successful and talk on your phone all the time like they boiled it down to this yeah i figured that's what it was gonna be yeah, this incredibly like basic caricature of these two different versions of her life that's arguably incredibly misogynistic, but we'll save that for a different day. Um, to be fair, I have not seen the movie aside from the scenes that are in my office. But point being is that there's a lot of those movies, there's a lot of what if movies. And I think to mess with the multiverse and to show all these different versions of Evelyn's character that were all vastly more successful than she was in different ways, mm-hmm. but also didn't have a lot of the things that she has that are special is a really unique way to do it without being too hokey. So I appreciate that with the movie. And in the flashes, I found I didn't watch this on uh, disc this time for my rewatch. I had to rent it through Amazon Prime and Amazon Prime through my streaming device doesn't behave very nicely for me when it, in terms of like rewinding and pausing mm-hmm. and starting again. So I wasn't able to do frame by frame. So I found somebody else's video about it. And what I like is that while her lives might have been better they're not all remarkable. You know, all her alternate lives aren't spectacular. She's got the one where she's the successful actress in martial arts in a Wong Kar Wai movie about her life. And I mean, like literally that's an homage to in the mood for love. uh, Those scenes with her as an actress with Waymond as the CEO, but that a lot of her other lives are also but no. And yeah, she's a she's a sign spinner, you know. Right. Yeah, she's a sign spinner. She's a tapanyaki chef. Listen, Nicole. There is no more perfect reality than one in which everyone has hot dog fingers. No, we'll get to that. <laughs> no, we, yeah, we'll unlock that door in a moment. Continue. I, I just wanted to go through real quick some of the ones that she flashes through in the scene yeah, where it's just on her face and the background changes. Evelyn as a house, like a literal house with her face in an I love tennis meme is the face of an Illuminati conspiracy theory <laughs> video from 14 years ago. 
in front of a green screen on a Zoom call with the actual directors of this movie. Her is a dog. Her is a cat. Her is a nun. Her is a gray alien. Her is a bunch of grapes. Her is a tree. Her is an anime version of herself. Her in her Tinder profile picture. <laughs> They're all just ordinary things. Yeah. Which is nice. I like that. There's always this tendency when you write what ifs to come up with the most extraordinary. You know, it's like talking about past lives. You know, oh, in my past life, I was Marie Curie or I was a Turkish princess. Or, right, right. Mm-hmm. You know, you're always somebody famous or important <laughs> in that kind of thing. Yeah. In this, they just let her be more or less ordinary people. Yeah. And she mm-hmm. just has access to particular skills from those right. yes yeah i do appreciate that as well because you're right that does kind of always be like oh what your life could have been right is always you, you could have been the most amazing person in the world mm. so like, i like it when it's yeah it's just like in this universe you spun signs and that like is useful right now that's great sure this universe where like you yeah you're a movie star or you're a singer but you're also blind like i like that caveat mm. all your lives are not perfect like you were saying that's a i like that it's a refreshing kind of not, I don't want to say take entirely on this genre, but it's nice to see on screen. Yeah. And, and that's why, you know, I, I noted like in a world of multiverses, we seem to be in the multiverse stage of pop culture. Oh, Lord, are we? Yeah. Whether it's like Doctor Strange or Marvel or DC or like everything has a multiverse now. But I, I found that they found a way to make this unique and they found a way to make it memorable in a way that I was not expecting. And um, to your guys' point, I think a lot of that is the banality of some of those incredibly weird universes. And like, some of them are just weird. Like some of them are not like mm-hmm. there, there's a line between sign twirling movie star. And then somewhere in the middle is Benny Hanna cook competing against a guy with a raccoon in his hat. Oh, like, right. <laughs> there's somewhere in the middle there. So like it, it covers a broad or pinatas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It covers a broad spectrum of different potential multiverses. And I do love that the reason she is so uniquely qualified to absorb these skills from the uh, from all these different verse jumps when she goes between the universes is because hers is so unremarkable. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I uh, and all the homages, you noted that as well, Nicole. Yeah, I mean, there's well, the one that jumped out to me was the Wong Kar Wai homage because it's shot like a Wong Kar Wai movie with the, you know, like skipped frames in the background Mm. and the way it's lit and angles and everything like that, even the direction of the dialogue. But it's also, you know, the directors have both said that this movie would not exist without the Matrix. And oh, yeah, both in the fighting style, but also in the idea of she's essentially uploading these skills Mm -hmm. to this universe's body from her other multiverse selves, just like they do in the matrix where they upload a program for how to fly a helicopter. Right. Or what have you, you know, and then there's Ratatouille and there's. (laughs) Rakakuni. Come on. Oh my God. Rakakuni. All right. So let's talk about some of these universes. We're hinting at them. Uh, Nicole, ever since this came out in March, you have bemoaned to me, Hot Dog Fingers universe. Um, why? It's just upsetting. <laughs> is it just? Is it just because it's disconcerting to look at? Yes. Okay. That and the the mustard in the yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. Where does that come from? 
<laughs> the logic of that world also like it's the one where it quickly breaks down because they like thought mm-hmm. like oh you know it'd be really funny hot dog fingers <laughs> okay great but they didn't then think of like what would the rest of the world look like because they're doing everything mm-hmm. with their feet so it's like right. why would you invent all these things to still be operated by normal hands Right. Why is everything at hand height if you're operating it with your feet? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If it was a quick visual gag, that's one thing. Oh, no. They revisit it several times. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes at uh, protracted lengths. Mm -hmm. Uh And it just, it's, I don't think I have the same feeling about as Nicole does (laughs) on it, but I will say that I I totally get being disturbed by it because that's fair. (laughs) And I think it's the one, it's the one that I think about and I'm like, wait, that doesn't make sense. (laughs) <laughs> nothing about that works yeah that's fair i like what they do with it with her relationship with yes, deirdre absolutely yeah i think that's very important i think it adds another an emotional component to the movie and it gives you another dimension to deirdre you know it gives you if this is what this universe of deirdre is like maybe there's some of that in the person in this universe and we just don't get to see it and that's right. and that's like part of it right that is part of the like the beauty that people aren't one dimensional. Mm-hmm. They aren't just like what you see. They are complex. And it's not just like, Oh, Evelyn, who could have been anybody. It's like, uh, Waymond and like, you know, all the different ways he can be. And and like you said, Deirdre is not just the humdrum, angry tax auditor. Right. It's, you know, we only saw her in this one world, but like in other worlds, you know, and, and even in her personal life, which kind of gets revealed towards the end when she is, I really like when uh, they have that little conversation after uh, Evelyn smashes up the, the laundromat yeah. and you, you get this insight into her a bit and it, it adds these layers. So, yeah, that people are not just who you experience the five minutes you meet them every day. He told me about your situation. I remembered when my husband served me papers. I drove his Kia Forte through my neighbor's kitchen. Huh. Right. Yeah. And who you are at your job isn't necessarily who you are all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's probably true of Waymond. Waymond is with the customers the same way he is with family. You know, he's, he's this outgoing mm-hmm. and kind person who's just trying to have fun with the customers, even when they're fighting with the change machine. Uh-huh. But even as like one of the antagonists of the movie that or at least that's the way that Deirdre is set up is to be an antagonist because you know she's the tax auditor yeah but she's not a hundred percent a hard character she's trying to work with them she's pointing out obvious oh yeah things you can't claim a karaoke machine as a business sense <laughs> watch me you know, and she's trying to point this out she's trying to keep them from being prosecuted for fraud mm-hmm. you know she's right. trying to work with them so they can keep the laundromat and it's just evelyn doesn't either doesn't quite know how to work with her or isn't willing to or just wants to do it her own way no matter what and see what happens but you know Deirdre's not all bad she's not all bad no and 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 also in like in what kind of movie do you see you know to David's point about the multifaceted nature of these characters in what kind of movie do you see the antagonist's opposite side being the the partner of your protagonist. It's so Mm. wholly unique. 
No, she's trying to save them from the from themselves. You know, it, there is tough right. love on the opposite side of this. You know, auditor's desk in the movie, and I don't think Evelyn's character is resistant to it. I think she just wholly doesn't understand it. She's dug them in this hole. They both dug themselves in this hole so deep, and um, I just don't think she realizes the implications of it. Mm-hmm. And that's what Deirdre is trying to get across. Yeah. That's a nice arc, though, throughout the movie is how she becomes, Evelyn becomes better and better at communicating overall. And that's not just reflected yes. in how she, what she tells people and her what she says in her conversations, but her English skills literally get better as the movie goes on. Mm-hmm. As she's absorbing all this different knowledge. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and David, you mentioned, you know, you love that Jamie Lee Curtis in this character wanted to look like a normal woman. Yeah, I don't remember where I saw that. Um, I wish that I had it, but I, I saw somewhere that like she had kind of insisted, like, don't make me up. If I'm a tax auditor, make me look like a tax auditor. You know, she, mm-hmm. and she looks like a, a little bit frumpy. You know, she's wearing yep. uh, the like the sweater and has that. Oh, that haircut, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, <laughs> oh my god, it is, it is a look. Uh, yeah. It's an iconic look, though. Like she's rocking it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's like I 100 percent believe this is somebody. If I walked into any office, any office, you would see someone who looks like this or could look like this would be somewhere there. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis has taken some really interesting roles in the last, mm-hmm. you know, five, six years. I'm very interested to see Jamie Lee Curtis in Borderlands. Uh, David, I'm sure oh, you'll, yeah. you, you've probably heard about that. I keep forgetting that's coming That's going to be a thing. And she's like the lead. Well, so, she's also um, like a huge nerd. So Huge gamer. She officiated her daughter's gay wedding in World of Warcraft cosplay. So <laughs> she is she is. <laughs> That's something they bonded over, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. She used to play a lot of WoW. Um, So Jamie Lee Curtis is pretty cool. That is so cool. (laughs) It's more than just Activia commercials. So a couple other great discussion (laughs) topics that we have. Uh, Well, no, no, no. Let's talk about more of these universes. We have a whole Rakakuni thing we got to talk about. I just want to talk about (laughs) Rakakuni because it's Randy Newman voicing Rakakuni. And it's just insane. (laughs) Like... Now we're cooking. Oh, well, I know about it. I don't know what I'd do without you. <laughs> yeah, we make a pretty good team. Oh, no. Uh, you, you can't tell anyone. You've seen too much. You know what that means. It's literally just a man who is being pulled by his hair by a raccoon who is teaching, who is who is cooking for him in this, you know, um, extravagant restaurant where, you know, like a Benihana style where they cook for you. And it, it's I don't know what I want to talk about with it. I just want to keep saying the words raccoonie because it's so great. <laughs> it's also like a great scene, like because it, it had just come after like a really intense moment where like yeah the daughter is taken over by jobu tabaki and then like they you know they get her out of it and they've strapped her to a chair like it's a little bit like for that daughter like this is a traumatizing moment mm-hmm. and then they, right. they get a moment to kind of all laugh together about about rakakuni right it's like that movie um that movie okay what are you talking about rakakuni 
What? Huh? Rakakuni. You know the one with the chef? And he makes bad food. Pui. And then this raccoon sit on his head. Ooh, control him. And then he cooks good food. Do you mean ratatouille? Ratatouille? I no. like that movie. No, 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 no. <laughs> Rakakuni. With the raccoon. Okay. <laughs> Everybody stop making up sounds. Oh my god. And when Rakakuni chases when when Michelle Yeoh takes Rakakuni the chase. No, takes the guy to chase after Rakakuni, right? Right. She starts out on his shoulders and then right. he can't he collapses because he can't run anymore and she makes the man get on her shoulders. That's <laughs> Harry Shum Jr. Yes, Is that the actor's yeah, name? He's uh mm-hmm. he's on Glee. Um I believe that's it's Okay. Yeah. Was he also in Crazy Rich Asians? I think I so. Chad. <laughs> yes, he was. He was Charlie Wu. And yeah, he's Asian. one of those like, yeah, okay. minor characters. Not minor, but it's not. I'm glad you brought Crazy Rich Asians up because, you know, something I've noticed that is different this time around is that like Michelle Yeoh has like, first of all, like Michelle Yeoh has been a mainstay of cinema for decades in, you know, countless, you know, iconic roles. But for a younger generation, she's probably most recognizable in things like Crazy Rich Asians, you know, the more recent Star Treks. Uh, she's in Guardians, I believe, isn't she? She's in Guardians of the Galaxy. She is, yeah. And if you watch that new version of... um What's it? I, I got to pull up her page here. Oh, yeah. The new Crouching Tiger that came out like five, six years ago. The the, oh, the, right. the sequel. Right. Or like a million martial arts movies yes. in Hong Kong. Right. I know. I'm just saying in recent years. OK, I, I, I understand her. <laughs> My point being is that she's been in all these movies in recent years. And there's something where like Michelle Yeoh is now in the news all the time because people love this movie so much, you know, just pulling up the thing for this movie. I saw that the Toronto film festival is giving her the groundbreaker award this week. She's the definition of groundbreaking and uh, it's the first time they've ever given it. Uh, They made it for her Uh, and she's in all sorts (laughs) of other things right now. And it, it just makes me really happy that people are getting so exposed to her because she's such a badass. Like another example in the news a couple weeks ago, I'm sure you guys saw this, uh, where Tarantino was talking about how they wanted to make her an antagonist and kill Bill. And then they Mm -hmm. realized they couldn't because it wouldn't be believable that Uma Thurman could beat her up. Which is great. (laughs) So. Well, and and I love like along with that, because she is, she's awesome. She's really cool but they've also then given her a role that is not just that like that comes yes. out in its own mm-hmm. way but it is a role where it's like there's meat to it for her and like she gets to play a woman who is struggling with her life and her solution is not just like i'm gonna train for martial arts and be super awesome it is like live that life and then like crazy stuff happens to her absolutely mm-hmm. but i just like that it is like she's just playing a woman you know she's, right. she's just playing a person yeah. I mean, the original tagline of this on IMDb to hide the fact that it was a multiverse movie was called um, A Woman Tries to Do Her Taxes. Because uh, <laughs> that is what this movie ultimately boils down to, I suppose. A couple of other great discussion topics we have. I, I did want to mention that that I think this movie does a great balance where it can have this like family drama and a laundromat and it can have this complicated family 
dynamic that's multi-generational and it can also have butt plug humor and it uh. does it in a way where it can balance both and I, I have a quote here from one of the two directors where he says when you stare at something for long enough you can make anything meaningful there's a desperate dangerous thing but it's also really beautiful we need that right now because everyone is staring at everything and sees no meaning at all this movie's almost us trying to fight that by saying look rocks can make you cry there's beauty and meaning in everything. It can be butt plugs and trophies, or it can be family dramas and a laundromat. We're putting them all in the same plane. There's no lowbrow or highbrow. It all exists at the same time, and we have to be okay with that. That's shockingly profound to me, <laughs> and I think encapsulates this movie very well. I mean, the second you see what that thing looks like, it's like, well, I know oh, you know it's what's coming back at. <laughs> Yeah. Right, especially since she has four of them on her desk, you know. <laughs> no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I, I love that this movie can balance that fairly elegantly in a way I've never quite seen in a movie. And let's talk about the rocks. Uh, how does an extended shot of two stones at the rim of a canyon become one of the most affecting moments in recent cinematic history? Yeah, it's such a beautiful little piece of cinema. Mm. I saw one of the directors make a comment where the, both the directors are Asian. And they got together, and when they made this scene, they said there was something uniquely Asian about the way this scene is. is. And I'm not quite sure what they mean is by Daniel that. Daniel Scheiner art Asian? I'm sorry, is only one of them Asian? Yeah, there's Daniel Kwan. Daniel Kwan is, has Asian background, Okay, I don't think yeah. Daniel Scheiner does. No. Okay, no. my bad, my bad. They are the Daniels. Oh, Daniel Scheiner, by the way, playing the... Uh, sub in the bondage gear oh lord uh, god in the movie <laughs> yeah yeah those those the director cameos <laughs> yeah daniel kwan just plays sort of a random alpha jumper who's out to stop evelyn from mm-hmm. stopping jobu tabaki from taking over the universe or doing whatever it is that she wants to do it's not 100 percent clear what she actually wants to do at least not to me, whether she wants to destroy everything or take over everything or just destroy herself or destroy her mother, you know. Because she realized, right, that like, if everything is random, nothing has meaning. Right. So, and she was hoping by chasing after her mother that she would find some sort of meaning or her mother would provide it, but it doesn't exist. So if it's all random and nothing matters, then my sense was let's destroy it. Like let's merge everything mm-hmm. together into the bagel and just be done with it. <laughs> yeah. So here's, here's what I found to elaborate on what I said earlier. Quan made a comment where he said the family dynamic in our film was interesting because even before we get into the multiverse, they're already in different worlds they're already speaking past each other. Mm-hmm. There's even something about Evelyn and joy conversing as rocks overlooking the grand Canyon that feels distinctly Asian American. We don't want to say things that we actually want to say. Let's do it as rocks, but silently adding that the emotional feedback that came from Asian American viewers after screenings, the fact that the parents kiss at the end is such a small gesture, but for a lot of people it was very powerful because oftentimes our immigrant parents aren't afforded the space to have romance or they have the ability to express themselves in that way so that's where they were headed with that but yeah it's i love that the scene is long (laughs) i -hmm. love that they make you sit with the rocks at the grand canyon for a while i know that annoyed some people but i found that just delightful i think part of why it's so affecting is that this movie is very nearly wall-to-wall chaos 
<clears throat> yeah. of light and noise and flashing and color and the universe jumping and movement. And then all of a sudden you smash cut to these two stones at the rim of a canyon. And all you hear is just a little bit of the wind blowing in the background. And that's all. And it's a very still shot of the two stones. So it's this oasis of peace and quiet suddenly. And so you really get the full impact. You don't even get the distraction of them speaking. You mm -hmm. get subtitles for the stones, even though you hear nothing at all. You know, they're still managing to communicate with each other. Yeah. And it was just, I don't know. I, I did tear up in the movie theater. I'm like, what is happening to me? It's beautiful. <laughs> and I love when, when uh, the Evelyn yeah. Rock starts chasing the, uh, the Joy Rock. Right. And uh, yeah, it's, it, and uh, I like that like, a comment she makes too, of, like most of the universes are like this, like just to add on of like, because mm. that's something that's never addressed in most of these multiverse movies, right? It's like right. there'd be a fair amount of them that are nothing or destroyed or whatever. Right. So I like that kind of comment of just like, yeah, a lot of it, like life never evolved. And all infinite possibilities, there's also a lot where they did involve, evolve. Um, but yeah, it's, and it's beautiful and it's emotional and very effective <laughs> uh, it so is. very surprisingly yeah it's a really cute scene I, I i have a great fondness for it and i i'm wondering I, I don't think that's the rock tattoo i don't think i don't think my wife wants to get a rock tattoo i think she wants the uh maybe it's the googly eyes when you keep saying a rock tattoo i keep thinking she's gonna have Dwayne like johnson, Dwayne johnson <laughs> just on her arm yeah, I think I, I don't, we have googly eyes and stuff all over our house after watching this. And then she gave a bag to our neighbors who also love the movie. And now their Roomba mm. like drives around with googly eyes. So, like everyone has googly Excellent. eyes on our block now because of us. A um, couple other discussion topics we have as we round out. Some of the humor is a little LOL so random. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, I love this movie. And I mean, you know, Swiss Army Man. Yeah. Fart, farting <laughs> corpse. But, you know the awards as we talked about some mm. of the stuff that like oh they have to do to like access some of their other lives it's like right oh, okay that's um interesting uh, they have to find the least probable thing that they would do in that moment in order to get that link to the other universe skill a lot of it is like oh i'm gonna lick a pillar where it's like at the same time like take your phone out and start doing taxes like you're in the middle of hunting someone <laughs> you know I just feel like they were like, what can we find that would be like really funny? And sometimes I think it leaned a little too much of like, yeah. isn't this crazy what we're doing? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they go hard for it. This is a small, this is a minor complaint. Yeah. This is not like, oh, the movie's ruined. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you're the kind of person that's not open to that kind of thing in a movie, like, I, I know a lot of movie viewers that if something gets a little bit too silly, it just turns them off entirely. This is not quite the movie for you. But yeah, I'm not saying you're one of those people. I'm just saying, like, if, if you were on the far mm -hmm. end of that spectrum and really didn't like that stuff. Yeah, I do like that. They exercised a little bit of tact with the butt plug joke and that they pixelated out. 
I yes, yeah. I will give them that. <laughs> I do appreciate that. Summer, yes. I'm really glad they didn't go. You know, it's As, it's explicit by implication, but mm-hmm. it's not visually super explicit. But but also all the like uh, all the things that Joe Butabaki is like, oh, it's a dildo, dildo, dildo. It's like, okay, right. we get it, dildos. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, anything's dildo if you're brave enough. So <laughs> it's just lovely. <laughs> maybe that's part of the <laughs> sort of a subtle second tier joke that they're throwing in Thank there. You. But it's also with all the randomness. Yes, everything because everything is random. Nothing has meaning. You could also say because everything is random, everything has meaning mm-hmm. or it has yeah. the meaning that you give to it. Sure. Sure. So, you know, life in a laundromat can have a lot of meaning if you're going into it with loving who you're with and being happy, you know, in serving the customers and putting googly eyes on their laundry and bringing some of it upstairs because the clothes are happier up there. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> oh, Waymond. <laughs> yeah. You're absolutely right. So a couple other final discussion topics. Uh, we had so much on this movie. Uh, James Hong. That was a final already. There's <laughs> This movie has everything. We've been here for an hour. <laughs> Uh, James Hong. So much we haven't talked about that I could. I know. I know we haven't even talked about the bagel, but I mean, like, yeah, James Hong, immortal question mark. Uh, seemingly so, because the man's <laughs> 93 and really doesn't look it. Uh, you know, and they even have him in a wheel. They have him in a wheelchair in this movie, and he's like, you know, he's looking a little more decrepit, but still, like, in his scenes where he's got to be, like, crystal clear, he is. He's there. It's still James Hong. And I'm like, man. Mm. That keep doing it, dude. I want to see you in everything. <laughs> yeah. 100% yeah. agreed. And on the flip side of that coin, is it Stephanie? Is it who? Or how would you pronounce her last name, Nicole? I think it's Shu. Yeah. Shu uh, is now yeah. on your permanent watch list. Uh, that, of course, yeah. being Joy. Yes. Yeah. yeah she's been in a bunch of stuff lately. She plays also a character named Joy in one of those new Apple TV shows. She was in. Do you know which one? <laughs> I'm going to pull it up right now. Live IMDb. Uh, the Path. It was on Hulu. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, it was the cult one. You know, she's been in a bunch of stuff. She's been in Marvelous Miss Maisel the last couple seasons. She's in Shang-Chi. So she's been in a lot of stuff lately. Okay. Uh, she has a, there's a show coming out called American Born Chinese, uh, which. Oh, is that based on the comic or the graphic novel, I should say? Yes, it is. Yeah. And it also has <laughs> Michelle Yeoh. So mm, yeah. excellent. Wait, I will have to look for that. And it has, and it has KU Kwan. <laughs> oh, look at that. It's a reunion of this entire cast. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, they definitely got to make sure to keep that on the radar. But I just said that she's on my permanent to watch list in that. She's so good in this movie without looking like she's trying. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's great. Yeah, she she really conveys like this sweet relationship that she has with her girlfriend and this yearning to have a good relationship with her mother, but mm-hmm. not able to quite to figure out how. And just this intense, intense emotional pain that she's in, both as Joy and as Jobu Tubaki. Yes. Or Tupaki. You know, you're just making sounds now. <laughs> yes. you know, it's just... On the flip side of that very emotional side of it, 
There's also this just undulterated swagger of her character when she's in full evil mode mm. and she can just switch between a million different outfits and make the environment turn in the dildos and whatever it might be as she does. She just has such gravitas on screen. And David and I were talking about this before the show. This movie had nine v- VFX artists, two of which were the directors, and none of them were mm-hmm. trained in VFX, went to school, and they learned on YouTube, which is mm-hmm. remarkable because this movie is beautiful. It is really well done. And they did a lot of the effects at home. You know, this was a pandemic made movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of stuff was shot on phones, like the backgrounds when Evelyn is zooming from one location to another in her universe but like via other places was actually done with daniel kwan just walking around with his phone shooting stuff whenever he was walking down hallways or down the sidewalk or wherever he happened to be where he was walking a decent stretch he would film Mm -hmm. it and they put that together and put it in the background of her being pulled backwards into a different location Mm -hmm. and they made it look Good. They didn't want it to look perfect, which is the nice thing about the aesthetic of this movie and it being so chaotic is that nothing has to look perfect. Yeah. Because it's, you know, the universes are sort of leaking into one another. Yeah. But it's so good. (laughs) Yeah. And I think to that degree, I think it'll hold up really well for a long time uh, because of its unique aesthetic. Um, Something I did want to mention is like we talk about A24 a lot. And I think there probably will be a point where they're so successful that they just become the corporate entity to which I think they're at the current antithesis of. I mean, they're already working with studios like Apple and stuff like Macbeth. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Macbeth is an A24 film or the tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, but I was, mm-hmm. I was going back and looking at it. And like some of my favorite experiences in the last year or so have all been A24 films in the theater. Uh, the green, like I, I wrote down a list of them. You know, The Green Knight, Lamb, uh, The Tragedy of Macbeth, Sky is Everywhere, X, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Men, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies was really great. And I want to see Funny Pages that came out this week. That looks awesome. And like these are all A24 movies. So just inject A24 into my veins. I, <laughs> I love what they're doing with cinema and the fact that these people get to tell these unique stories. And they're bizarre movies like i don't know if you guys have seen the trailer for funny pages but it seems like the film might have been shot on like like an 80s tape recorder <laughs> like the, it, it, it seems remarkably low budget i wasn't able to find a budget on hmm. it but it looks fantastic and apparently at cons it received a three minute ovation so cool just the fact that it's at cons is a great thing i just love that about a24 and i hope that doesn't change i know it will but i hope it doesn't yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> it's you know as long as they stick to the 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 Blumhouse method of things, which is like here's your money. Oh, Jason Blum, cheap it, do whatever you want, and then blow it up. Or yeah, it's like well, you know, here's here's the money, go make the film. If it's successful, great. If it's not, it's not. We'll just make another one. I, I mean, I know he works on much smaller budgets than they do, but but still. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see how long the the honeymoon lasts. Yeah, I think the Blumhouse is a good comparison, David, because yeah, you, you're right. Jason Blum's like here, make you know, well, wasn't like the Halloween remake or not remake the Halloween Redux, whatever they want to call the new one that came out a couple of years ago. It was made for like ten million dollars, and I'm oh. fairly certain like at least a quarter of that went to Jamie Lee Curtis just to bring her back, <laughs> and probably another quarter to John Carpenter just to fiddle on a keyboard again. 
they make movies pretty cheaply. And when they blow up, they really make a lot of money. So, yeah, I, I, I totally see that. It's a decent strategy. Yeah, you know, it is. Say, here, here is a certain budget. Do whatever you want with it. But that's all the money you're getting. That's all the money you're getting. But do whatever you want with it. And if it blows up, great. We will make a huge profit. And if it doesn't, then we won't take that big of a loss. Right. Right. And then you don't cancel a $90 million Batgirl movie to save a couple million dollars on taxes. Man, don't even get me started. I know. Don't get any. I'm sure, I'm sure all of us have individual angers <laughs> about that. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, but I think that'll about wrap us up. We could talk here all day about everything, everything, everywhere, all at once. But goodness, would we be here all day. Uh, any final yes. thoughts on the movie? Anything you, you want to get in that we didn't? Uh, David, you go first. I mean, gosh, there's so much um, that, you know, we, we could talk about and dive into a bit more. I feel like we just kind of touched on a lot of stuff. But there's also there's so many emotional beats that I feel like we kind of just glossed over, like the yeah. when when Evelyn and and her daughter, whose name I'm now suddenly blanking on joy, joy. when they when they have their moment at the end. And, you know, she's like, what is the, what's the point? You know, she's not doing the big, like, I'm going to destroy everything. It's like, there's two people talking in a parking lot. And I love that mm. that's like the final confrontation, you know, versus like they have their big wild, like she fights everybody and makes them fall in love or whatever. Um, <laughs> I guess just like a few of them, but like the, the final confrontation is just a conversation of what is the point? It's like, I don't know, but we're together and that's it. And like that, that has to mean something. Right. And it's just like, yeah. It does have to mean something. <laughs> yeah, it does. There's a lot of those moments in this movie. You're right. Maybe there is something out there. Some new discovery that will make us feel like even small pieces of shit. Something that explains why you still went looking for me through all of this noise. And why? No matter what. I still want to be here with you. I will always, always want to be here with you. Nicole, now that you've no consulted notes, any any final <laughs> any final notes? Just I love that the the big loud confrontation at the end where Evelyn is fighting everyone with love and trying to get her at first keep joy from going into the bagel you know, and, yeah. <laughs> and possibly being obliterated and she's being stopped by James Hong's wheelchair turns into like a mech suit made out of kitchen appliances. And I love that yeah. so much. It's pretty great. <laughs> it's insanely creative. Oh, the, oh gosh. The, costumes in this movie sorry i just want to yes. briefly throw out the costumes oh the yeah outfit they called that the second to last one where she's wearing the jacket made out of rainbow teddy bears yeah um they called that her like her j-pop k-pop look uh, it, where she's got works. you know jobu yeah. actually written across her forehead with her bangs mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah it was great it's, good. it's so good it is good i'm also i i i, I can't help but wonder if um and now I'm blanking on his name again. The man who, uh, the man who plays uh, Waymond, Kehui Kwan. Yes. Do you think someone came up to him I, and they're I've like, "I've heard of Key Kehui Kwan." Okay. Okay. Did someone come up to him on set and they're like, "Will you do the snap out of it, 
please? <laughs> because the snap out of it, as soon as he says snap out of it, I'm like, oh, I'm having a memory mm. trigger right now. Because uh, oh, that sure. is it's one of many little Easter eggs, I think. It is. It is one of many little Easter eggs. Shout, shout out to Short Round snapping Indy out of a trance. And Wayman fighting with a fanny pack. Yeah. I didn't talk about Wayman fighting with the fanny pack. The, the man eats chapstick. Like, there's so much that we could talk about. <laughs> There is. And, and we'd love to hear from our listeners. Please, you know, email us hi, hi at mgrpodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you about your thoughts on this movie. I know everyone's had a, a fairly intense reaction to this movie in the last year. So we'd love to hear what do you love about this movie? What's zany? What did we not talk about? What do we miss? Um, we'll read it on an upcoming show if you go ahead and let us know. But future classic, we got to kind of give the verdict here. I know it's a new one, but I'm feeling I'm feeling good. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Uh, I think there will be a phase in five to ten years where there will be like a backlash on like, oh, I'm doing multiverses. Oh, the bagel movie. <laughs> there will be some people who will hate on it just to hate on it. But I think it will endure through that. Yeah. Is this like how you guys hate on hate on rubber every time I bring it up as the tire no, rubber, movie? No, I hate on rubber for, for legitimate reasons. <laughs> yes. I want to watch rubber. I hate rubber because I've seen it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because I have eyeballs. <laughs> has, rubber, has rubber come out in the last 10 years? Can I make the boldest no, future classic no, play ever? God. Oh, it came out in no, 2010. It uh, we missed oh, it. Damn. But I can do the one by the same director where he falls in love with his dog and has a telepathic relationship with it when it's lost. Why do you hate us? <laughs> what did we do to you? Brett does it to us. Wasn't there a serial killer who, had, who thought his dog was talking to him? Probably. I don't know. There's one where a guy has like a questionably romantic relationship with his dog and his dog gets lost and he has to like use his telekinesis with the dog to find the dog, which is also made by the same... Frenchman who made rubber. But alas, okay. we're, we're getting off the beaten path here. I am glad you guys enjoyed it. It's it's a movie that's very special, and I hope our listeners get a chance to check it out if they have not so far. The good news is that because we've only scratched the surface, you will have a lot in store for you if you check this movie out. Right. Do you want a unique movie? This is the movie for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I didn't even mention that. I didn't do my whole spiel about how, like, in a world of sequels and reboots. <laughs> oh, boy. Everything, everywhere, all at once succeeds above all odds. I, I do love that. Right on. Um, all right. Very good. Well, a reminder, David, next week, one more time around the world. What is it? The Handmaiden. The Handmaiden. Check it out. All right. Uh, let's go around the horn very quickly. David, where can people find you online? Devlas, D-A-V-L-U-Z, Twitter, Instagram. That's kind of all I got going for the moment. So find me there. Right on. And Nicole. Nicole underscore Davis on Letterboxd. That's me. Very good. You can find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. Be sure again to email us. Hi, H-I at MGRpodcast.com. If you'd like to find all the social links for this show, that includes our Facebook, our Twitter, our website. Just go to social.mgrpodcast.com. Dot com. And the best part of that is, is that you can follow along for You Did This To Us weeks. We are releasing essentially week to week now. We don't have a backlog anymore. And that means when you hear this in your ear holes in the next week, that means that you have a You Did This To Us voting coming up within the next week. So you need to be on that on our social so you are notified when it is time for us to watch Rubber or whatever it is you choose. God, do not. <laughs> No. Dude, what not. if I did? Oh. <laughs> also, I would like to put in a plea, a urgent request. Uh, please 
leave us a review oh, with yeah. your podcatcher of choice, especially something big like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can only leave reviews on one of those, but definitely leave it on Apple. Uh, it would really help us get seen by new people. Yeah. We have a diehard audience, and that's about it. <laughs> and we and we love you. We we love you all so dearly. And we love you, and we are very grateful for you. Yeah, we, we th- are that is super so true. grateful for you who have who are with us every single week, and we love you and thank you. Yes. And we would love it if also if you would share us with more people. That is, I'm so glad you called that out, Nicole. I mean, Apple Podcasts in particular, as Nicole said, if you can, you know, drop a quick review. I know every podcaster says that, but for a podcast as small as ours, that actually is a very impactful thing that you can do Mm -hmm. at no cost to yourself besides an Apple account. So uh, definitely do that and email us because we want to hear about how you like this movie or anything else we're doing about or if you don't like this movie yeah if you hate this movie i would love to know why if you don't like it yeah Yeah, and if you engage on our facebook i will get full like tolkien mode on you like i did at someone else on our facebook this week where someone asked us if what would happen if if mary and pippin had to take the ring to mordor instead of sam and frodo and i gave them a whole lore-backed reason as to why i think they probably (laughs) still would have made it so you can find all that on our facebook as well cool All right, we will see you next week with The Handmaiden. Mm